Hello, good evening. So good to be here. I am always like just humbled and in awe when I get to talk to you, especially in my Lorraine campus. I love, I love this city. I love this church. Um, excited to share with you what God is doing in my life, and I'm going to share it with you because I think that's appropriate. But I want to share this book. I think I've done this before. If I haven't, I'm going to do it again if I have, but this is called The Purple Book, and it is a biblical foundations for building strong disciples. And I've ordered probably about five of these, going through this with about five people right now, and I want to encourage you. It's super simple, super powerful, and I want you to get one. Miss Kathy ordered one off christianbook.com, and they're only five dollars. So every single one of us can disciple someone through biblical foundations. Your children, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, do it. It not only will change their life, but it'll strengthen you in why we believe in what we believe. And today, we need to be strengthened in our foundations. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to talk about it a lot um, not tonight, but every time you see me, so get ready for that. <laughs> so let's pray. I'm excited about the Word of God today, um, get a chance to explain and to share what God's doing in my life. Father, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you, God, that it's always good. And Father, as we dive into your Word, as we apply it to our life, you are faithful. You're faithful to continue the transformation so that we can become more and more like you. That's why we're here, Father. That's why we're here on a Wednesday night, because we want our ears to be open, and we want our hearts to receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, tonight I did share this message back in October in the Avon Lake campus, and I don't really see any Avon Lake peoples here tonight. I miss y'all, but you might be watching online. But it's changed up a little bit for me because God said, we're going to do a do-over, Mary. And I said, okay, we'll do a do-over. And he knew that he needed to kind of revisit some of these things in me. And so I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to share it with you Um, You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't make it easy to speak about something on this platform that he hasn't yet done inside of you. And I think that's why the do-over has happened, because this is such a big thing in my life. He wants to make sure that I get it. And I believe that he wants to make sure that you get it as well. So we're going to talk tonight about greatness in God's kingdom. Greatness in God's kingdom kingdom. The word of God you see is alive and moving. It's sharper than any double-edged sword and it pierces the divide between soul and spirit. And that's what needed to happen in me. This word needed to go in between my personality and my spirit and move the stuff that doesn't belong in here out, right? And it's not done. I know that I have to take this word, and every morning I wake up and I apply these truths into my life. Every situation that I come in contact that rubs this need to be great, right, rubs that and wants me to 
rear up this need for greatness in my life, he's going to take that sword of the word and sharpen where it needs to be sharpened. So I'm thankful for the word. I'm thankful. So this past summer, I've been working on purpose. Just going to, I wanted to go to a next level in purpose, you know, because our purpose matures as we mature. And I've just been feeling that need, like, God, I'm ready to go to the next level. I want to mature in the purpose that you have in my life. And so I've been studying and meeting with people and just really, really going deep into this idea of purpose and where he wants me to finish, right? We're all finishing. I want to finish where he is at, the finish line. I don't want to, I don't want to stop 100 yards away, right? I want, to, I want to finish well as a mature mother in the faith, right? Amen? You do too, right? So dealing with my purpose um, and wanting to remain committed to his purpose has really come to be my reality in this journey. Because sometimes my expectations and demands for greatness aren't really the same as his. Sometimes his purpose for our life looks a little different than our purpose, right? Sometimes he sees things differently than we do. Yes, you guys heard it a little bit. I want to be great. It's not easy to stand up here and tell you that. But I struggle with the desire to be great. And I would guess that a few of you do too. But God's idea of greatness in his kingdom is not up and to the right. Like the world tells us that it is. His idea of greatness for our life looks way different, doesn't it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. This desire to be great. To want to accomplish something important. To be important to write the book, to start the company, to be on the stage, right? To start the business, create the ministry, be prestigious, be significant. All of these things, to be admired, to be respected. All of these things are not horrible. But when sin crept in, back, way back in the Garden of Eden, that desire was corrupted in every single one of us. And what God wants to do is he wants to fix it. He wants to show us that that need to be great and that desire for significance was put in us by him and for him. In Genesis 1, what does he say? He says, multiply and have dominion. That have dominion means be great. My children, I want you to be great on the earth. But what does that look like? It surely does not look like what the world says it looks like. It's hard to hear the call or the direction of God if the cry for greatness from our flesh isn't silenced. And that's what I realized. I had this struggle in my heart, and I often do, any given circumstance that creeps in, right? (laughs) That struggle that demands greatness when Jesus wants something else. So the Holy Spirit began to show me that this desire wasn't wrong, but it needed to be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
My greatness looks, needs to look like Jesus, and so does yours. Our greatness needs to look like his greatness. And Jesus is the one who shows us what to do with the desire to be great, and he shows us by his example. And we have his personal testimony, right, of how he shows and displays greatness in God's kingdom. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, because Jesus is always the best role model. (laughs) So the first thing that Jesus was, and he showed us his greatness, was that he was humble. Humility is a state or quality of being humble. And humility is kind of one of those things that's hard to define. And I like this definition. I've heard that it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Right? It's becoming others-centered. It's the opposite of walking into the room and looking at who's looking at me. (laughs) Or thinking, what do I look like? Or what do I need from the people in the room? Do I need assurance? Do I need attention? Do I need validation? Humility says, what do they need? What do they need from me in this room? Do they need assurance? Do they need validation, right? It's coming into a room and it's thinking about everybody else instead of me. It's unselved. It's a virtue that centers on low self-preoccupation. How many can admit, like, I'm preoccupied with myself probably 80% of the day? How I feel, right? What I look like. What do I need? It's just who we are. It's called our flesh. But Jesus modeled humility. Let's ask ourselves some tough questions. When I look at a group photo, who's the first person I look at? Right? This is a nice picture, but where am I? What does my hair look like? Right? What does my smile look like? We all do it. All right. When I walk into a room, we talked about that. Am I thinking of myself or am I considering the person in the room? So we want others to see us. We want others to admire us. We want the position. We want the power. We want the status. But, you know, it's better to be humble. How many were here for our camp meetings, our camp meeting days? And I I was hoping that Cindy would be here today. But do you remember the front row fiasco? Anybody? We had like four people just designated for the reserved seating, right? And we would file them in and they would have to find their name and they would sit right there and there would be a back room especially for them and it was the opposite of humility. When Jesus would probably take that seat right back there, right Because humility is how he lived. Humility was how he modeled greatness. Now we can't get people to sit in the front row. (laughs) Right? There's this front row in Avon Lake that it's always empty. 
I'm like, please, somebody sit there. <laughs> Matthew 18, 1 through 5, a disciple asked Jesus, he said, in the kingdom of heaven, who is the greatest? And Jesus called over a little child. And he put his hand on the top of the child's head. And he said, listen, this is the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Because in that kingdom, the most humble who are most like this child, they are the greatest. And whoever welcomes a child, welcomes her in my name, welcomes me. And so Jesus was absolutely clear. The most humble who are like this child are the greatest. Right? So how do we become more humble like a child? We can't assume that we know how when we are 80% of the day thinking about ourselves, right? So how can we become more humble? The first thing we can do is we can embrace our limits. Now, we in America are limitless, right? We, can, we think we can do everything. And oftentimes we try to. Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? Running around to soccer games and baseball games and school functions and then starting a business and then cutting the grass and then going to church and then, oh my gosh, we have limits. How many of us admit that we have limits? How many of us embrace those limits? with humility before Jesus. Think about that. It's a spiritual thing to embrace our limits. It's humility. Number two, we can become more humble when we can trust God's character. Instead of being in control and wanting things to go exactly the way we think they should go, we can say, you know what, we're just going to be laid back. Let's see what God does with this situation. That's hard. That's hard to know that we don't have to be in control. Let God figure that out. God, I will take, you take the lead. I will follow you. Or are we saying, okay, God, I'm sitting down here for, with prayer and I need it this way and then this way and then I need you to call her and then I need you to set up this interview and I need you to do this. Okay, we good? All right, report back to me tomorrow at 9 o'clock for devotions, right? But instead, we're humble when we trust God. We give up control. Another thing with humility is to obey like Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I, hear the, what I see the Father doing. Jesus didn't do anything without the Father. He was obedient in the slightest detail, right? Start with the little things. If he tells you to do it, don't ask why. Come on, parents, because I said so, right? When, you're, when your kids ask you, but why? But why? But why? Because I said so. And sometimes that's all you can do to shut them up, right? God says, because I said so, can you be humble and not try to figure it out, but just obey? It's interesting that these three qualities of humility 
are really very much like children, aren't they? Because as children, you know, they can't do things that we can do. They can't do things that adults can do. They aren't in control of their own lives. They have to go where you go, right? They have to, they have to decide to get in the car when you say get in the car. They have to trust their parents, and they definitely have to obey without knowing why. And that's why Jesus says, just obey me like a child. Just be like a child. And then when you do that, you are the greatest in the kingdom. So humility is greatness in the kingdom of God. Can we just close our eyes for one second and say, Father, teach me how to be humble like a child. In those moments of self-preoccupation, of wanting to be the most important person in the room, teach me to be humble like you are, Jesus. Amen. The second example that Jesus gave us for greatness in the kingdom is sacrifice. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. The cross, right? You know, I don't think we really need to spend much time convincing you that we live in a culture of consumption. Have you been to the store lately? It's starting to heat up, <laughs> right? Traffic's starting to build up. Costco is a nightmare around this time of year. I feel like all we do is work and then drive around and buy stuff, right? Do you do much more? We work and then we drive around and buy stuff. <laughs> we live in a culture of consumption. And sadly, the church isn't much different. You know, I'm not talking about our church. But most, if not all, except ours, of course, have fallen into a consumer mentality, right? Well, if church doesn't meet my need here, what do I need? What do I get from my time there? How are they pleasing me, right? Church shopping. It's hard to get people to serve in church. At one time, this is funny, I was the nursery director when we, start, when we first opened this building. And I'm going to blow your mind right now, okay? Our nursery was over there. We had enough room for 60 babies. Six, zero. Zero to two years old. And during camp meeting, we filled those rooms. Craziness. <laughs> and we had probably 12 to 14 nursery workers in that room. Do you know how hard it was to get volunteers? Like nobody just says, gets excited about working in the nursery, right? I remember when my dad would try to get people, because I would be in tears we need help, you know. And I remember when he would try to get people to sign up for the nursery, he would say, just put a piece of lead in your pocket and walk around with lead in your pocket so that when you are asked to volunteer in the nursery and you say, I don't feel lead, just put your hand in your pocket and feel the lead and then go work in the nursery. 
But we don't want to sacrifice like that, do we? It's hard. It's not fun. But sacrifice is even more than signing up to serve. Sacrifice sometimes looks like forgiving and loving a family member when they've hurt you. You're sacrificing your right to be offended. You're sacrificing your right to hold a grudge. Sometimes it's making people, other people more important than ourselves, giving our time to someone that doesn't deserve it, giving your money to someone that's used you all up, right? Sometimes sacrifice looks like giving energy to those that God has assigned us to. There is this idea in our present-day theology that sounds something like this, and I've used this before, so I know it exists. Jesus made the sacrifice, so I don't have to. But that's not true, is it? Jesus made the sacrifice to show us how. He was the model that went and died on the cross for us and said, okay, do this, right? Do this for one another. In Matthew 16, 24 through 26, and I want you to just make note at how many times this word must is in this verse. Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself the things you think you want. You must pick up your cross and follow me. The person who wants to save his life must lose it. And she who loses her life for me will find it. Look, does it make sense to truly become successful up and to the right? <laughs> but then to hand over your very soul? What is your soul really worth? Jesus is saying, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you want to, to be great with my measure of greatness, give up everything. Lay it all down. Pick up your cross and follow me. Sacrifice in our life simply looks like dying to self. Every day. And guess what? Self wakes up with you in the morning. And that's why I'm preaching this message again. Preached it in October, preached it in December, I'll probably preach it again in February because self wakes up with Mary every single morning. And then I have to die to that self again and again and again. You know, it's funny. I, I wrote down some examples from two months ago. <laughs> It's when I did that little ironing splurge, and I don't think I've done it since then. But every once in a while, I'll try to be a really good wife and die to myself and iron Adrian's shirts. <laughs> I hate ironing shirts. But sometimes that's what dying to self looks like. It's not as glamorous as we want to make it, right? It's not like I'm going to go out in the mission field and be, you know, tortured by a tribe with no water. No, it's ironing your husband's shirts. It's cooking dinner once in a while, right? <laughs> it's going to Cabela's and looking for a new gun. Ooh. <laughs> 
It's that dying to self in real life. Jesus calls us to pick up our cross. Sure, it's difficult, but it is the way to greatness. There is no other way. There is no other way in God's kingdom. It's sacrifice. And Jesus proved this. You see, his darkest day became our greatest day. Think about that. His darkest day became our greatest day. His sacrifice became our salvation. Without his sacrifice, we would never have salvation. Greatness in God's kingdom looks like sacrifice, and Jesus proved it and then called us to it. Amen? So sacrifice is greatness in the kingdom of God. So Father, teach me how to deny myself every morning, how to die die to myself every morning and make the sacrifice that you made for those around me so that I may be great the way you define greatness. Amen. One of the last examples we're going to talk about tonight that Jesus modeled so beautifully is serving. Jesus' example of greatness was to serve. Matthew 20, 26 through 28, he said, this is the kingdom's logic. Whoever wants to become great must first make himself a servant. And whoever wants to be first must bind himself as a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. If we are called to serve Jesus, we must be willing to serve the one in front of us. This is such a powerful truth. And I will tell you something, that once you do this, God opens up. It's like the windows of heaven. Open up, and if he knows he can trust you with that one in front of you, there'll be one right after them, and there'll be another one right after them, and there'll be another one right after them, and soon you'll see that you are in ministry with Holy Spirit. You're like, wow, I never knew I could do this. Yes, you are in ministry. Jesus says we are serving together. You ready? You start with the one that you already have right in front of you. So who are the ones in front of you? They could be your coworker, they could be your husband or your wife, your children, the elderly neighbor, whoever it is right in front of you, just start there. Just start there, right? It's not hard, just start there. Get some scripture verses, read them together, talk about the Bible, teach them about the kingdom and watch what God will do. Jesus gave us a very clear distinction between those who would serve and those who don't. And this is one of those tough scriptures. But do we want the truth in here tonight? Come on, you're, on a mid, you're in a midweek service. You want the truth in here tonight, right? In Matthew 25, and Marlene, you referenced this verse earlier. Matthew 25, 31 verse through 40, 
And it talks about when the Son of Man comes in all his majesty, accompanied by throngs of heavenly messengers. You know this day is coming, right? Very, very soon. If you can't feel it, if you can't sense it, you might be sleeping. (laughs) So wake yourself up and know that Jesus is coming. And it's going to be, he's going to be full of majesty and glory. And it's going to come to the earth. And in that moment, he's going to gather all the nations and it, to him. And he's going to put some nations on the right. And he's going to put some nations on the left. And on the right are going to be his sheep. Say, I want to be a sheep. You all want to be a sheep. And on the left, he's going to put all the goats. You don't want to be a goat. <laughs> And the king will say to those on his right, come here, you beloved, you people from whom my father has blessed. Claim your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of creation. You shall be richly rewarded for when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was alone as a stranger, and you welcomed me into your homes and into your lives. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you tended to my needs. I was in prison, and you comforted me. And even then, the righteous would be so confused, they'd say, wait wait a minute, God. When did we see you? When were you hungry? I, I don't remember doing that for you. What What are you talking about, right? And the king says, I'll tell you this. Whenever you saw a brother or sister hungry or cold, whatever you did to the least of these, so you did to me. When we serve the least around us, the least in front of us, when we lay our life down, when we serve those, whether they deserve it or not, (laughs) right? The least usually don't deserve it. It doesn't matter. It says, bind yourself up like a slave. Slaves do what they don't want to do, right? Slaves are forced to do things. We make ourselves, even if people don't deserve it, even if they're the most annoying, needy, incompetent, it doesn't matter. We serve them. We feed them. We clothe them. We give to them what Jesus has given to us. He came to seek and save us, the lost. So too must we seek out and serve the lost, the hungry, the broken. You see, our goals and ambitions and dreams apart from this, they don't qualify in the kingdom. They don't quantify in the kingdom. There's nothing. It's like nothing. It doesn't account for anything unless we do what Jesus tells us to do. It's serving one another. You see, I want to be on his right side. I don't necessarily want to be up and to the right like the world would define success or greatness. Right? I want to be on Jesus' right as a sheep, nation, being obedient and serving those he has called us to serve. Remember when the Son of Man comes in all his majesty, Jesus is coming again soon. In Ephesians 5 verse 16, I love the scripture verse because it reminds you. 
it's one of those things that keeps, it refocuses us, right? It says, make the most of every living and breathing moment because these are evil times. When you don't feel like it, remember, this is a moment where you get to serve. When you say, but I'm tired, (laughs) I don't have anything left, remember, this is a moment where Jesus has given you an opportunity to serve. When I think of this scripture verse, I think of that movie, Schindler's List. Has anybody seen that? Oh, that movie. Well, there's an ending part in that movie where Schindler is surrounded by all the people that he rescued in the, in the ring. Yeah, in the rain? In the ring. Yeah, the ring. Where he, he begins to look at all these people and they're coming up to him and they're saying, thank you for saving my life. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for getting me out of the concentration camp. Thank you for buying my freedom. Thank you. And he looks around and he begins, he begins to realize that in front of him is a car. And he could have sold that car. And on his finger is a ring. And he could have sold that, finger, that ring. And on his, on his wrist was a watch. And he could, have, he could have sold that watch to save one more person from the consecration camps. And one day, I believe, before that throne, we're going to think, oh my gosh, I wasted so much time. I could have served the hungry. I could have, I could have served my neighbor. I could have went over there and took them soup. Right? I could have done more. I could have done more, Jesus. I think that we're going to have that moment before him. And what Jesus is saying tonight is, do you want to be great? Then serve one another. Serve the broken. Serve the ones that would respond if you give them love. Oh, they're out there. (laughs) They're right in front of you. When we see serving the one as the greatness in God's kingdom, we will do anything to let one hear of God's love by serving them. We count it as great the most important thing to give ourselves to. And God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Who are we serving tonight? Who are we serving tomorrow? Service is greatness in the kingdom of God. So Father, open my eyes to those who need me to serve them. And take my pride and take my laziness and take my self-righteousness out of the picture so that I can serve the one in front of me. Amen? Amen. So tonight we look at Jesus' example of greatness and we see humility. We see sacrifice. And we see servanthood. And when we notice the feeling, and I call it greatness-ism, <laughs> of greatness-ism, oh, I need to do this, and I need to be great, and I need to be influential, right? And I need to be prestigious, and I need to be significant. And Jesus says, okay, come here. I'll show you how, Mary. And he points me right back to these three things. And he says, because you know what? It's really not about you. 
there's no other way because we don't want the world's way, do we? We are a part of a higher kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you gave us the best example of greatness in the kingdom. Jesus, the one that came here and sacrificed everything for us. Father, help us. Give us strength to follow his example when we feel that need to be great, Father. Let us deny ourselves, pick up your cross, and follow you. Thank you that we get the privilege to serve you in this kingdom of God. Thank you that we can model this greatness for our kids and our grandchildren and the world around us, that people would know what you are like when they look at us. Tonight, if you're here and and you haven't asked Jesus to come into your heart, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would you stand up with me? As we close, I'm going to ask the altar ministers to come up. And tonight, there's going to be people up here to pray with you if you want to recommit your life to Christ or if you want to ask him to come into your heart for the first time. I want to let you know that these altars are open. If you need healing in your body, if you need someone to just agree with you in prayer for a family situation, then this is the place to be. Because God is a miracle working God. And he's a loving God. And he will show us and teach us the way to please him. Amen. you to come up but just let's pray first father we thank you god that you are good and that tonight you are wooing those that need to come to you and rededicate their lives to you lord jesus or possibly ask you to come into their hearts for the very first time god we ask father that you would just holy spirit draw them to yourself tonight lord jesus we ask for healing in bodies tonight god that there would be strength and wholeness god in every area of of our life, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, God, for continuing to teach us, Father, what greatness in your kingdom really, truly is. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, as we close in worship, I'm gonna invite you to come and the altars are open.